0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit, amen. Before I get into today's sermon, I just wanna address the world. It seems like the world that we are living in right now has so much chaos, turmoil, and hurt. Real, true hurt, not manipulated or imaginary, there are people who are afraid. And I could be talking about a number of things right now. That is the state of things in this world that we live in at the moment. And I just want to say that we as Christians, as believers in God, and the Almighty God, as representatives of God in this world, we are called, we're challenged, we have a responsibility to be different. When the world throws hate, we should respond in love. When we see division, we should be bringing unity. When we see prejudice, we should be bringing compassion. We are called to be different, to be representatives of God in this world. And I know that it seems with all that is going on that that what can I do? I'm just one person. I saw one person comment, On social media, I just live in a small town in Indiana. What can I possibly do to help all of this? Well, there are a couple things. One is you can pray. I know the the phrase thoughts and prayers is kind of laughed at at times, and and partly for reason, because like thoughts, that's kind of empty, but prayer, prayer works, and we believe in prayer, and so you can pray. You can pray for the people of this world, for the people who are under attack, for the hurt that people are experiencing. But beyond that, you can help to heal this world by just one action, by going to one person and showing compassion, by being kind and having one positive interaction. It can start small, but if we've learned anything over the past couple of years, one small interaction can spread and change things. And so may we be different. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today recognizing that there is a lot of hatred, a lot of pain, a lot of anger in this world right now, born a lot of the ways out of our hubris as mankind, that arrogant self-pride that we hold within us. We pray that you would bring about humility. We pray that you would bring protection to those who need it. We pray that you would heal the hurting, that you would help us as your church, as your people, to proclaim love and compassion, to reflect your light in a world that knows so much darkness. Lord, we thank you that we live in a place where we can come together and worship you, and so we thank you as we celebrate that. I thank you for the chance to share your message and your truth, and I pray that it is your truth. I submit myself to you, and I pray that all who hear this be bold enough, to be courageous enough to do the same, to submit themselves to your Holy Spirit. Lord, work in powerful ways. Pray all these things through your son Jesus, in his name, amen. Our main text for today, as has been the case throughout the past number of weeks, uh, is Psalm 19. Looking at that psalm reading, we're also going to be looking, though, closely at our gospel reading, that account of the transfiguration for those of you joining online, first of all, welcome, and it. it's great to have you. If you are just watching the sermon cut off with, without the context of the rest of the service, I would encourage you to pause the video now and to read Psalm 19. Uh, they're powerful, powerful words. But as I look at Psalm 19, as I consider it, I realize something um, about us as humans. <laughs> We're really good about not thinking about things. Let me explain what I mean. Like, if you ever really think about um, how complex our bodies are, it kind of blows your mind. Like, the fact that, like, we have these thing called fingers that, that somehow it's like a bone with, like, muscle around it and there's nerves. And, and, and then when I cut myself, my body knows to make more me and not more somebody else. Like, when you really start to think about it, it's kind of insane. But then also, there's some things, some things that perhaps would trouble us that we don't think about. For instance, one of my favorite animals are cows. I love cows. I love, like, especially highland cows, the ones with the red shaggy hair, you know. Um, I love them. But I also love a good steak, and I have a hard time reconciling those two things. Um, I, I give thanks to whatever person invented in the English language that, that cow and beef are separate words. So at least there's some, some mental separation there. But I, I do, I have a hard time with that. And I try not to think about it when I'm enjoying my hamburger. Or, or let's see, um, what are some, you, know, you guys know that throughout high school I, I would like to go surfing. Uh, well, I would frequently in the morning, i go pop on my computer, check the surf report. My little sister one time pranked me by changing the background, the wallpaper of my computer to a great white shark breaching up out of the water. And so it was just this shark, like coming right at the camera, like six feet out of the water. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to go surfing today. Because when you have that image in your mind, it's just something, like, I know that there are sharks in the water. I know that there are things that might get me, but I just try not to think about that, Right? Or even um, just to, to blow your mind a smidge, uh, as I was doing research on this this message, I came across this statistic: if we had spaceships that were able to travel at the speed of light, right, like Star Wars, you know, hyperspace, um, to go from one side of our galaxy, the Milky Way, to the other side of our galaxy, would take somewhere between tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of years if we were traveling at the speed of light. And then there's more galaxies beyond that. And when I think about that, smoke starts to come out of my ears because just the vastness of space. And we just like, we look up at night and we see the stars and we're like, yeah, that's pretty, right? Because we live in Texas, the stars at night shine big and bright. There we go. You're all good Texans, you pass go Texan day, good job. Way to go. But we don't really think about the fact, like, those are all, they like, may have solar systems around, that, like, it just blows your mind if you think about it too much. So what do we do? We just, we say, ah, I'm, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to think about that. I'm, I'm just going to focus on, on me and my little thing, the things that I can, can wrap my arms around. In order for our little finite brains to comprehend the infiniteness of things, we reduce it down. We do the same thing, quite frankly, with God right when it comes to god the all powerful everlasting the one who who existed through all time we take him and we reduce him down to uh, an organization right reduce him down to a building reduce him down even to a piece of furniture and say like this is the presence of god here at the altar when in reality god is omnipresent he's present all around us Actually, had a conversation earlier this week that I think it's kind of interesting. When we do the invocation, right? I did it earlier. We call upon the presence of God in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's almost like we're picturing like God's like waiting in the narthex for his introduction. Like he's like, all right, is he gonna say my name? here I come? Okay, did it? Did it? Here comes God, and like it, it, God's already here. God's with you when you're in your car. God's with you in your house. God is omnipresent, and so when we call upon the presence of God, maybe. Maybe it should be the opposite. (laughs) Maybe we should be calling upon the presence of ourselves, like challenging ourselves to be present in this moment. But no, we like to take God and we like to kind of shrink him down so it's a little more manageable, so it's easier for us to wrap our arms around it. Worship isn't just like visiting God. You're not like going on a play date, come to God's house for a little while. But instead, it's an opportunity for you to take a break from the chaos of this world, from the distractions that you experience the rest of the week. For just one hour a week, you get the chance to take a break. God's with you all the other hours, but for that one hour where you get to worship, it's not coming to visit God, but instead finally recognizing that God has been with you the whole time. See, so we like to take God and shrink him down and put him in something that we can understand. Now, we aren't alone in this, right? Like, the disciples did this as they were were living their lives with Jesus. I'm sure, because they were human, right, the disciples, I'm sure at some point they made fun of Jesus, right? Like, we don't think about that because, you know, he's Jesus. But like, there he goes, talking in riddles again. What is Jesus on about? You know, I could just picture them poking fun at, at, at Jesus and the way he carried himself and the way that he taught. Which then is such a stark reminder when we get to the story of the transfiguration as their their buddy, their friend, is all of a sudden gleaming white and suddenly is surrounded by the cloud of the presence of God and they're all of a sudden going, oh yeah, he's kind of a big deal. See, we're not alone in this idea of taking God and making him smaller. We reduce God sometimes to a buddy, right? Jesus is your friend, You hear that in little kids' songs. Jesus is your buddy. He's your best friend. And yes, he is, but that's not all he is. The disciples did this. uh, We have a tendency to do this and, and treat God perhaps a little too cavalierly. But then there's the other side of that coin. We reduce God to like a distant, angry king. We see this in the Old Testament, right? They're, they pray to God because they're afraid that, that his wrath is going to fall down on them. They, they approach God with all this fear and trembling. Um, and unfortunately, that's not just an Old Testament problem. We see this in some modern denominations where God is treated as like this, this scary thing. I, I know people that have said as they walked into church, like, watch out, the lightning's going to strike me down right now because that's how they view God. And we reduce him down to that idea. When I was a kid, I once had a pastor say that we reduce God to a Pez dispenser. I've used this illustration before, but but the idea is that he's something to be put on the shelf and admired and and like, oh, isn't that nice? And then every now and again, you go and like, take your little piece of candy, a little piece of grace, this makes me feel good. Or maybe we treat God like a vending machine, like, oh God, uh, hurt my leg, need a little healing, that's going to be B7, boop, pray for healing. Uh, World peace, uh, D3, boop, and we pray for that. But God is so much more. So how can we know who God is? How can we really kind of start to wrap our mind around this infinite, complex, vastness of God? Well, we actually see that in our psalm today. Um, Because that psalm is really broken up into two sections. The first section, verses 1 through 6, talk about the heavens declaring the majesty of God. And through his creation, God reveals his glory. Through the majesty, the power, the awe-inspiring beauty of God's creation, we see who he is. If you've ever stood on a mountaintop and looked out to the horizon, if you've ever been on a beach and looked out over the vastness of the ocean, if you've ever been in a jungle teeming with life, and you're reminded how big and how complex this world is. But it's only in those moments, because oftentimes in our homes, we make our world small, right? If you've ever been sitting in traffic, you live in Houston, you've been sitting in traffic. Um, when you're sitting in traffic, your world is your car. And the only people around that matter are the ones who interact with you, who maybe inconvenience you. Right? This is no more true than when you're listening to something really good and you're like in the middle of a drum solo on your steering wheel. And then you look over and the person next to you is looking like, oh yeah, people can see me. <laughs> right? Your world becomes your car, becomes that. I was reminded of how we make our world small when when I was moving away uh, from Florida in St. Pete. We had a fairly small house. It's an older city. And I I packed everything up. It was all, you know, getting trucked away. And I I locked the, the house for the last time, and I stood back in the driveway, and I looked. And again, small house. And I thought, this little building and these little walls contained our lives for years Every story, every moment of tears or laughter, we mourned in this house. This house became our home, and yet it's just this little tiny box. And right next door, there's another one, and over there, and it's in the middle of a whole neighborhood full of these tiny little worlds that we create. We lose sight of how big this world is. It's partly because of our selfishness, and I pray that that our eyes can be opened to the perspective that there are other lives, that there are other people, we, we fall into the trap of, oh, that's something that's happening over there, too bad for them, but we're all together on this planet. We're all part of God's creation. And from God's creation, we can see his glory. We can see the intricacy of how he made us. We can see, I mean, it could go into statistics about like how earth, how so um, remarkable it is that this planet holds so much life. Because if we were just, you know, a couple hundred thousand miles further away from the sun, couldn't do it. If we had a slightly different axis, couldn't do it. If the salinity of our ocean was slightly off, couldn't do it. This world is so intricately created that when you start to look at it, you go, huh, there must be something more out there. Now, this is true when you start to look at ancient religions, when they, when they could only examine the world around them, they realized that there must be something more to it. Now, they couldn't fathom that it would just be one God, so what did they do? They created a God of the sun, a God of thunder, a God of the sea, all these things, right? And trying to explain the natural world because they were so awe-inspired, now, we can understand the glory of our God from his creation, but our psalm at verse 7 takes a strange turn. It almost feels like it's a completely different psalm because all of a sudden it starts talking about the law and how it's perfect. And you're like, what, what happened here? Did, did like, you decide to combine two drafts? What happened? Well, it really comes down to this. The first section is about how God reveals himself through creation And the second section is about how God reveals himself through his word. And this isn't a a new idea. Um, We actually see it also referenced kind of in the transfiguration. Because as Jesus suddenly has the full glory of God on him, as he's gleaming white, light showing from him, and the disciples are like, whoa, he's not alone. It says that two people are with him, Moses and Elijah. Why them? Well, Elijah represents the prophets, represents God's revelation to to the people of Israel, to, to the world, right? How God revealed mysteries through the prophets, God's creation. And then Moses represents the law, God's word, scripture. And so these two things combine to reveal to us who God is. So if through God's creation, he reveals his glory, then through God's word, he reveals his grace, And he has to do it that way because we can't really look at this world with its brokenness and its sin and see full grace. We can't. You hear me talk about it when we have communion, that we hear the words, you are forgiven, but man, it's hard for us to wrap our arms around it because from our limited perspective, I'm sure each and every one of you at some point in your life has had somebody say, I forgive you, and yet they didn't. They were just holding on to it to use later as ammunition. They told you, I forgive and I forget. And they didn't either. And they instead held on to a grudge. See, we hear the words, you are forgiven. And from God, they are true and will never fade away. But it's so foreign to us. And so God's grace is foreign at times. It's so beyond our realm of comprehension. Through his word, God reveals his grace. He appears in glory appears with his word, with his law. We see then as the psalm goes on, it talks about the transgressions that we experience. It talks about the grace that we may experience. See, that is why all of this matters. It matters because we are forgiven, because we recognize, yes, step one, God is powerful and almighty. He is bigger than everything that we have here. He's bigger than this room. He's bigger than this church. He's bigger than the church. And with a God so big, who spoke and the entire world happened. Like the last time you spoke and made anything, it was probably drama. It was probably tension, right? You probably started an argument. But when God spoke, he made light. He made the heavens. He made mankind. He made you. And that's where it starts to become personal. Is where you go from this vast, immeasurable, inconceivable idea of God to his love for you. Because see, this matters not just for us. This isn't just for our own edification. This matters for the world because when we take God and we reduce him down to, to an event on Sunday morning to, to an hour of your time, when we reduce God down to an invitation that can be emailed out or set at a gas station it's easy enough to ignore. When we reduce God down to, to a sign up for side dishes, it's easy to say, no, nah, I'm good, thanks. But when we recognize that this world is so vast, when we recognize that it is far too intricate to be random, that it must have been created, within us all is this longing for purpose, for identity. You can go to anybody and say, hey, what do you think? Is there... Is there something more to this? And they're all clinging to something, but but that's the question for you. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in a power bigger than yourself? Do you believe in something that's supernatural, beyond the observable nature around you? Do you believe in the one who created, who sustains and who's willing to sacrifice himself for you. Because this is more than just a service that you get to come to. This is more than just a social call. This is a chance to recognize something so much bigger than yourself. We get the chance to op- or to invite people to that to the grace that is found that we have a God who, if you look through Scripture, if you look how God has revealed himself through his word, it's the story of God and his people. And that is everybody, by the way. How they rebelled, and he offered righteousness. How they sinned, and he offered salvation. How they turned their backs, and he turned right back towards them. That's the story of our God, the almighty, all-powerful, yes, infinite God. He cares so much about You. He knows you. He's all-knowing, right? That means that he knows everything about you. Your name, your story, your strengths and weaknesses, your passions, your personality. He knows what you're thinking even in this moment right now. He knows about your past (laughs) and about your future. And he loves you. And nothing's going to change that. That's why this matters. That's why we come together. That's what Psalm 19, as it says, the heavens declare the glory of God, declare his righteousness. As we look at the world around us, we see God, whether we're willing to or not, he is there. And so I pray that this week as we go out, that our eyes are opened, that we can see with new eyes, the majesty around us, the power of God. We can see the intricacy of this creation, but don't stop there. Instead, that we can also spend time in his word to see what he says to you, what he says through his direct teachings. How is God trying to speak to you? Are you willing to see him? Are you willing to listen to him? God wants nothing more than for you to experience grace and hope, for you to share love, and compassion. God wants nothing more than for his people, his creation, his world to be at peace all through him. Amen.